This week of Guys Talking Sports, we're going to get into the NBA's uh, potential startup in July. Um, some of the comments that Drew Brees and the um, head coach of the Denver Broncos made. Um, and also, um, George Floyd, the protests and everything that's been going on. And how do we personally feel about everything that has happened over the last couple of weeks and, most importantly, the last um, week and a half. So that, a little bit more on this week of Guys Talking Sports. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Guys Talking Sports. Um, as well, always, I'm here with me and my boys delving into some of today's topics in sports and other things that we decide to chat about. So um, I know there's been a lot going on the last couple of days. Um, it's definitely been a lot of energy around protests and um, of things of that nature. Um, but before we get into all of that, um, I want to just say, What's up to man? Al Ace is not on tonight, so um, he's going to be on some assignment. But Al, how's it going tonight, man? Man, it's going. Definitely got a lot to talk about. Um, so much things to talk about in the midst of everything that's going on. But we still got some sports that we could definitely talk about. So I'm ready to get started. Uh, yes. So um, let's let's get right into it. Um, so there's definitely a lot of sports going on in the NBA and NFL, but let's um, let's let's start out with the NBA. Um, it looks like that there's going to be some approval for a 22 team return um, with um, eight regular season games. Um, as um, I guess how the current format is, it's going to be 22 teams that's going to all be playing at the Disney Complex beginning um, beginning of July. Mm -hmm. I want to say either the July 1st or after the July 4th date. Um, all those 22 teams is going to include, um, the current playoff teams and eight, and eight, and eight teams that are within, um, a couple of teams are within six, I think it's like six um, games of the final playoff spot. So that brings up to about 22. So from the Western Conference, we have the Kings, the Pelicans, the Spurs, the Suns, the Trailblazers, and then the Eastern Conference, we have the Wizards. And that's going to include eight regular season games and a potential play-in tournament for those teams that are kind of on that bubble area, having the opportunity to play in. Um, I know me and Ace talked about it in in length <laughs> before about how he felt about um, the um, Portland Trailblazers and um, Damian Lillard's comments about not wanting to play. Looks like he got his wish. <laughs> He's going to get a chance to play. So it looks like they're going to keep everybody at the Disney um, ESPN Worldwide Sports Complex, um, which, by the way, I was near there, and it looks pretty good when I went to see um, Disney during the winter. But, Al, how do you feel um, about – are you – matter of fact, let me take this back. Are you excited about the um, proposed NBA season going to return? And how do you feel about the format going in um, with the teams and into the playoffs? Um. <clears throat> well, of course, I'm always excited to see live NBA basketball um, play. So at this point, this is something that the world needs, um, some type of sports. So this is a good thing as far as that is concerned. Very curious about how they're going. I, I get the teams that they selected to um, compete. I'm more curious to see how this, not the schedule, more so how the playoff seedings is. Um, because are they still going to keep the same Eastern Conference, Western Conference format? Um, are they going to group them all together to make a 1 through 16 
um, type of, I mean, yeah, one through 16 type of format. Um, I'm, that's what I'm most curious about, but I'm very excited if the proposed, I, I believe the, the plan is going to go through, but um, in either case, it's good to have NBA back. So I'm definitely excited to hear it. Now it'll give sports fans something to crave to talk about um, once it starts in July. So I have no problem with that. Um, I'm just more intrigued about how the format is going to be at this stage. I um, kind of feel sorry for some of the teams that left out. Charlotte, um, for the most part, was one game out of in the actual conversation. Um, they would have been included with Washington. So I could see people arguing, especially Charlotte Hornets fans, arguing about that. But at this stage, I don't think anybody really cares as long as the NBA season is back in some type of – in some shape or form. Yeah, I'm excited too, and I think we've all been deprived of some good sports outside of um, the occasional U UFC fights that's occurred, as well as the um, Korean baseball, which I caught a tail end of it um, this morning <laughs> when I got up. Um, it was kind of weird seeing the baseball players didn't have fans, but they have like the Korean dolls that were all sitting up in the stands, which I thought was a little weird. But anyway, um, yes, I'm excited. I mean, we were all very skeptical about whether or not the NBA season will be able to restart. And I thought the closer they got to June, I wasn't even sure whether they was even going to try it because any season that you would start, you would want to get a couple of games. Well, first you want to get at least a good uh, two weeks of training camp in to kind of get the players ramped up. Then you want to get a couple of games, get everybody nice and warm and getting ready and then go right into the playoffs. And I knew, and as they said, um, game seven would potentially be somewhere in the beginning of October, which would be literally right smack dab middle of NFL. And I know they didn't want to compete against the NFL and potentially college football, but um, they're going to get it in. Um, I'm, I'm very, you know, excited and hopeful that everything goes as planned. Um, me and Ace talked about it briefly last week, but uh, I think we kind of knew that, you know, it was going to happen. It was just the particulars about how you're going to handle the players, um, how you're going to handle their family members. It looks like all the family members won't be able to come immediately. But I think once you get into the playoffs, I think deeper in, then they'll allow some of the family members to come. Um, I think they're going to stay right in that complex. And for some of them, they've already played at, you know, Disney's Worldwide of Sports with some AAU tournaments and some other kind of tournaments like Junior Olympics, Junior NBA. So some of them are familiar with that area. So they're all okay with that. So I think this is going to be a good test um, to see how the NBA handles this, especially if there's a case that breaks out. I mean, this is going to be a good barometer for the major leagues, which is having a tough time trying to figure out how they're going to start their season. It's definitely probably going to be a good barometer for college football and NFL, which are both, I think, probably – they don't have this – They will logistically it will be impossible to do the same thing that they're doing, but I'm pretty sure how they're trying to maybe handles, players, testing, and all that. I think that they're probably paying close attention to that and try to plant – you know, transplant what they're doing to how they're handling the seasons going so far. So, you know, I'm definitely excited. We haven't had sports since – middle of March, but um, if it goes off, you know, I'll be right there watching all the games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think everybody's going to be actually watching all the games. I'm more curious to see how this is going to be broadcast, um, certain aspects of the games, uh, how they're going to handle. <clears throat> I'm assuming that there's going to be, there's still no fans going to be in attendance. Um, <clears throat> is it going to be, I'm, I'm very curious to see how they're going to handle the 
the um the logistics of it. Um, I think that that's is going to be very interesting because the fact is that if it works, then they'll see this as a, a continuity plan going forward. Um, and if it doesn't, then you know they at least say that they tried. And I think that everybody's at this stage where even the players are itching to get back into it. So I think that I think this is one of the reasons why they're okay with how this is being proposed. And I think everybody's just looking forward for it for it to actually happen. And then I think that's when they'll start. You'll start to see fans gradually. Um, well, fans is going to be there watching it no matter what. But then they'll see it. Other sports probably start gradually coming back into the fold as well, with like more of a of a modified version of of the actual season. Yeah, I'm real curious about the playoff seating because I mean, are they going to just do like East and Western Conference, or there's yeah. been some proposals about whether or not they're going to kind of just mix it up and do like, you know the top 16 and then, you know, just break them down and then do it that way. Um, but to you, I agree. How are they going to do the games? I mean, is there one court? Is there like multiple courts? Is this going to be sort of like how you have um, March Madness where you'll have multiple games going on at the same time in the same place with different court angles? No, no fans in attendance is going to feel like a big scrimmage or you like playing out. <laughs> Out, out in the court in the street, how it's probably going to feel. So um, I don't know. I'm very curious to see how this is all going to um, unfold uh, with them playing at the same place. But I'm also curious to see how they're going to handle um, testing. As far as I know, their NBA said they're going to have um, multiple testing, I think, before a game and I think multiple times before games or after games, some type of effect, but they're going to have, you know, round the clock testing for those fans. They're paying for the kits themselves, but I think they were just working out, not taking any tests away from people that actually need it. So. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And uh, to be honest, I kind of see it almost similar to how they do the summer league. Um, um, multiple teams being in one particular location, you know, playing in one particular place, um, like they do with Las Vegas with multiple teams there for the Las Vegas Summer League. Um, I could see something like that, um, but just without the fans. Uh, I could see that aspect of it. Um, but like I said, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be intriguing. A lot of fans is going to watch it because they're going to be happy that NBA is back. And it's going to be interesting. I'm more, I mean, from a revenue standpoint, from a fan standpoint, it's a win-win. So, uh, yeah, and, and I think that I get it why they want to get some regular season games in because you still want to honor and get some of that regular season contract money before you go <laughs> to, to write in the playoffs. But mm -hmm. however, I, I do see from a player standpoint, you know, you want to get a you know a several games in before you go smack dab into the playoffs. It's like you know, you'd be like going from preseason you know, right to like, you know, right after all-star break and it's like full tilt. It's like, wait a second, you know. Yep. <laughs> like seriously. And that's what people can use. I mean, like teams that are supposed to be in the higher rankings can easily slip in the first round of the playoffs. I'm like, I wasn't, wasn't at our best game. You know, we wasn't, we just jumped into this. So um, it's, it's, there should be no complaints regardless because it's still got who are the best team. Um, I'm very – but I agree with you. I'm, the more thing I'm curious is the seeding because um, I wouldn't feel – I mean, of course, you'll, you know, people, if they do the seeding 
like one through 16, you know, to be the best teams, players, I mean, the best teams where it's supposed to be, no matter what Eastern or Western Conference. But for some reason, I don't see a lot of people. I, I think a lot of people would probably be all for it. Um, it just wouldn't feel right, but I could see a lot of people all, all for the, the six, one through 16 seed instead of the Eastern Conference and Western Conference. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping because I'm thinking with this, you know, I guess enhanced or, you know, shortened, you know, time frame because you want to get the season in, but you want to get a season in as quickly as possible mm-hmm. um, and done over. It might make for some real interesting games because everything is like, you know, you know, every game is critical. There's no, I can take a game off here. There's no load management. No, you play in every darn game. There's no, I ain't playing back-to-backs. No, you just had two and a half months off. There was, there was your load management. You know, it's it's all guns blazing. It's, it's all going out. Everything is, is critical. So I think this could make for some real interesting and more, you know, very competitive games because everything was on the line. You don't got any fans. You don't got any, you know, distractions. You're just going to, you know, eat, breathe, live, and play ball. So this could be like how it was back in the day, man. You just you, you get up and run. <laughs> yeah. And, and like I said, Dan, I agree. There's no excuses at this point. I still don't think there's no excuses. You got plenty of rest, um, plenty of time to make up, plenty of – I mean – you were not playing full game. So I'm not saying that, you, you know, you should be immediately right off the horse ride, you know, jump back on the horse and ride. I'm just saying, like, by the time it gets to the playoffs, you have plenty of games, whatever eight games you have, you had that under your belt. You should be able to now move forward and move on directly into the playoffs with no problems. None. I think I, I think the, the one question is um, the teams in a bubble are going to have those that play in format. Is everybody going to have eight? eight games and then the bubble teams have a playing format or is it going to be eight games with the teams that are on that bubble and then that's a quote-unquote playing format so um i have to look and see how that format is going to go but i think it'll be fair if you give everybody eight games to get their legs back underneath them well they said that if the ninth seed is more than four games behind the eighth seed um then the eighth makes it into the playoffs um, but if it's fewer than four games, then they'll have a play-in tournament. Ah, okay. So, like I said, give credit to Adam Silver and the NBA. Um, you know, you know they, they they were like, "Gosh darn it, we're gonna we're gonna try everything we possibly can." And when I heard, you know, about a month ago about some rumors about they were looking at Disney hosting it, I was like, "Well, Disney needs all the revenue and the spotlight they can get." So yeah, it's true. they were like, "Bring it on, <laughs> we need it." So, <laughs> so I kind of figured it was going to happen. It was just the logistics of the testing and the players and how you're going to keep everybody, you know, you know, you know, get some quote unquote quarantine to a certain degree. I think once they got all those logistics out. Basically, it was just a date of how you're going to start, how you're going to finish, and how you're going to manage the playoffs. So I'm hoping this is going to bring some real exciting games because, like I said, it's almost like March Madness. It's just like, yo, this, you know, player go home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it, it, it makes sense at this stage. I mean, because let's be honest, you still got the 20, you got the 2020 draft coming up. To be honest, technically, that should have been jumping in. You know what I'm saying? It should be – free agency should be starting in July, like the first week of July, as a matter of fact. 
So, yeah, because um, yeah, technically right now we will be – the finals will be going on, or I think we'll be in the middle of the finals depending on which game it is. Right. Correct. And, and, right, and then draft is usually late late June. Correct. Correct. So, I'm to be honest, I'm very curious to see if they're still going to do the draft or how would that work. I think or if they, they pushed they, it – oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I think they they still said they're going to do the draft, but I think the draft is probably going to get pushed. But I believe they're going to do the draft virtual, like how the NFL did it. Okay, but I think it's but it's going to get pushed from um, because of the, if the NBA playoffs is starting, I think that focus is going to be more on doing that instead of the NBA draft. Yeah, I have to check back and see what day, like when. But I did hear that they said that the draft. Um, the draft was definitely going on. It was just a matter of when, once they got the, um, once they figure out the idea of how the, the, um, the rest of the season was going to go. But I'm assuming it's probably going to be sometime between now and before October. Yeah, and to be honest with with that, I mean, with the NBA draft, you know, a lot of teams didn't really get an opportunity to look at the players that they were thinking about choosing um, because of the scouting. There was no scouting to scout, especially for March Madness. So. Everything is going to be up in the air. Like the NFL, I mean, the NBA draft is going to be up in the air. Like you don't get, there's not going to be a sense of, that's what I'm looking for. You, it's going to be unpredictability at this stage. Like they're going to be like, you know, well, we would have, it would have been much more easier to get more looks in the, in the tournament or whatever the case may be. And even for these people that are coming into the draft, like they wish they had more opportunity to prove themselves, you know, during March Madness and, you know, so that NBA scouts could look at them. So it's going to be a, a toss-up no matter what. And yeah. with and and with that, you got the draft, and then eventually whenever free agency kicks in, you have that. So it's going to be a whole whirlwind of things running consistently, um, consecutively in the NBA. Yeah, and it's all going to bleed into NFL and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, college football, um, which I which – I, which I told Adrian last week, they are going to have college football in some form or fashion. It may not be everybody, but they're, they're going to have college football. But, um, yeah, so so here's a question. Um, with the with this, this season abbreviated as it is and, you know, all the, you know, the circumstances around how they're playing it, um, do you think do you think any champion crown after this year is going to have an asterisk put aside it? And if they do, do you think it's fair? I mean, I could see people putting the asterisks over um, whoever is the champion. I mean, to be honest, I don't believe in it at this stage. Um, not for something like this, um, because the best team won at that particular time. So I don't, I, I don't put an asterisk over that. But um, because it's a team aspect of it, and you know, they just they were just given the opportunities that it was presented to them. So I don't see that being a big deal. Um, I mean, I don't give um, San Antonio an asterisk because they won a, a shortened season as well. So they were the true champion. So I wouldn't – whoever wins out of this, I wouldn't put an asterisk over it. They deserve to win. Um, if the teams – whoever was there as far as the teams is concerned, whoever stands tall wins. I ain't got no problem with that. There's no asterisk for me. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it would be fair to put an asterisk by it. But I agree with you. Some people will. Um, you know, it, you know, it, 
just like how they did with the short NBA season, it wasn't, and they say it wasn't fair because you didn't have the full complement of games. But to me, I like the short season because that made everything competitive. You didn't, for, for most onlookers, they would just disregard the first half of the NBA season until after the All-Star break anyway. And then that's when most people pay attention. And to me, it felt like half of the NBA teams didn't pay attention to the season until after Christmas and going into the All-Star break. So let's call it spade a spade. But um, for this one, yeah, it, the circumstances here are way beyond anybody's control. They had nothing to do with it. It could be a non-season at all. Um, so let's be grateful that it was, but it shouldn't. I'm like you, I don't like asterisks. However, I can see people putting it on it. And if LeBron James wins, you know, under these circumstances, there will definitely be people that was going to put a uh, asterisk on that season. And I'll just say, okay. It, you know, everybody's affected. You know, everyone's in the same boat. Now, going into next year, we'll see how that goes. And then we'll know if, if they repeat, then it's like, well, they might be able to, they may have done it anyway. But if not, then it's then, but this season, hey, look, it is what it is. You just play, you play under the circumstances that you have been dealt because they could have scrapped the season very easily. That is true. And you're right. Um, it, I mean, it's still a shortened season. So um, if the Clippers, I'm not going to mention, I'm not even putting the Lakers in this conversation. If the Clippers or Milwaukee ends up winning the championship or whoever, um, at this stage, it doesn't matter. Um, you give credit where credit is due. Even if LeBron somehow magically wins it, you give credit where credit is due. So I'm not going to knock that. I'm not going to knock that. Um, nah. I will say if, God forbid, you know, Lakers get in the first round, they lose to somebody, shouldn't lose. I don't want to hear a bleeping <laughs> word from nobody about everything because, <laughs> you know, you can't on the one hand argue about he's the GOAT and he's better than Jordan, but you give him so many excuses about his failures of winning the finals. I, yeah, it, I don't want to hear it. I'm 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 gonna say this. I'm I'm, I'm gonna say this. Um, it's always funny how people award him for his successes, but never discredit him for his failures. And it's like you get to the point sometimes where, like, you gotta you can't tell me that you you're gonna omit the things that he did that was actually a failure like let's be honest like he didn't make the playoffs last year and for all this talk about greatness and everything like for him to be that great and I'm not gonna go like at a tip of that with LeBron about LeBron James but for him to be that great not make the playoffs or be in a position to make the playoffs not even in a position to make the playoffs last year with the team he has like we could talk so much about so many things that he's done. He's won this. He's won this. But don't forget the fact that he's also lost some things as well, so lost some games, some playoff games, um, series. So, like, you got to – people got to be careful about that. Like, I get it if you want to argue he's the greatest. And that's – like I said, people are going to say that he's the greatest are not going to change people who don't believe he's the greatest and vice versa. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to acknowledge what he accomplished and what he didn't accomplish. 
And that's what's going to show your true nature and determining how good he is. So I think that people need to just be, be more objective into the fact. That's, yeah. that's how I see it. Yeah, if, um, you, know, you know, if the Lakers do win and he wins, and, um, then that's just going to be another notch in his belt and another, you know, chip uh, in his resume you know, whenever his season gets done. So that'll just enhance, you know, you know, his uh his resume, you know, mm-hmm. that he would hand in once he's done about he's the gold or better than, you know, Jordan. If he loses, don't don't like you said, don't disregard and saying, well, this loss didn't mean anything to kind of justify him not having six championships. We all know that he can't, but don't give me anything else to justify that Jordan's six championships means nothing in the argument about that he's better than him. But I agree. Yeah. I mean, and to be honest, I'm not even – there's so many other players out there that has a legitimate chance to win. Giannis has a legitimate chance to win. So until you tell me otherwise, Kawhi has a legitimate chance to win. And he could do it being the first person to do it in three consecutive – I mean, to, to win three championships on three different teams. So you got to be be finals MVP, I should say on three different teams because there's been people that have won it three different times or three different teams. So um, my point is, is that I don't, I mean, LeBron is there in the conversation, but you can't discount all the other players that are out there, all the other teams that are out there. I mean, the Bucks have a shot. Clippers has a shot. I mean, outside of those, them enough should be good enough. And who's to say, um, I'm thinking, you know, yeah, they, I mean, those should be legitimate sh- shots to win the championship. So, I mean, it's not just a walk in the park for anybody at this stage, especially with everybody being healthy. So you got to be mindful of that. I mean, there's players that may have that may have not been available, might be healthy now. So, yeah, I think I would all goes to say, I think we're all going to be happy, you know, once the eBay season starts. And I'll just look forward to seeing some games and I'll be looking forward to seeing you know, how these games are operated, which I think is going to be real interesting. Yeah. So, you know, July, you know, you know, can't come sooner. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Uh, so as you switch gears here, I think we all know, um, I think we've all seen the video of George Floyd's, um, you know, death at the hands of the cops. We've seen all the protests and everything going on. Everyone from social media, from sports, the entertainment have all weighed in. Um, you know, on what's, on what's been going on, what's been happening. Um, very recently, Drew Brees made some statements um, when talking to Yahoo Finance. In this statement, he basically said that um, he would never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States of America um, while he was in his interview and not sit well with a lot of people in sports. Um, and he's been getting basically uh, a <laughs> social media kilt over the last couple of hours. So uh, what is your response to Drew Brees' comments? Um, in a nutshell. And let me be like, he's not the only person that made some controversial comments over the last two weeks. Um, the head coach of the Broncos made some ridiculous comments as well. Yeah. Um, bottom line is, is this, and I'm, I'm not going to go on a tirade, about if you're thinking 
because I think that whole conversation about Drew Brees stemmed from about Colin Kaepernick um, taking a knee still, if I'm not correct, if I'm correct. Um, mm-hmm. If that is the case, then Drew Brees basically just completely missed the whole campaign of what Colin Kaepernick was trying to do. And I'm not, all I'm going to say is at this stage, um, he just need to be a little bit more educated before, um, because he completely didn't think about what, what Colin Kaepernick was trying to do. So I think that I'm pretty sure that his teammates, um, those who understood, um, is going to inform him exactly what it was about. Um, but I think it was just a, it was a bad choice, a bad timing. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, I, I don't know what he's thinking as far because I don't know what a guy, another person is thinking. Um, but I will say this, that out of all times, this was a bad timing. Like, out of all things, like, you want to speak that, knowing with everything that's going on, um, you just, I just felt as though that he definitely was misinformed and he needed to be informed. And hopefully his teammates, um, those who really understand, can inform him so that he gets a better understanding. Because let's be honest, if he dumbs down on it and still says it, if he doesn't apologize and say, you know what, I didn't understand, but now I do. I mean, I don't even know if that will help. But at the end of the day, I think that he needs to take those comments back because if he doesn't, a lot of people is not going to be happy with him. He's going to be casted as one of the people that is an, uh, not for but against. And he doesn't want that look going on his record, at the, his resume at this stage. Because I can see a lot of people, especially – I'm more curious to see how New Orleans fans think about it, to be honest with you. Because the true fans that are New Orleans or Saints fans – um, I'm not forget about the the teammates. Forget about every. I'm more curious to see how faint the Saints fans are because, you know, I know they love Drew Brees. You know, he's been there for a while. So I'm very interested to see what they feel about it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, I could tell. I, I I feel as though that he was misinformed. He should be informed. Um, maybe he get a better understanding of what this is all about. Um, but I'm more curious to see those that really like him, really love him as a player. I'm very curious to see what their interest, what their take is on it at this stage. I mean, I don't like him. So, I mean, I'm not a fan of Drew Brees. I really don't care that much about the Saints at this stage. I'm not like a true diehard fan or anything like that. So, I mean, it doesn't really, you know, affect me like that. But because, to be honest, it's understandable in some sense. We know that there are people out there that may feel this way, but just as vocal about it, but I'm very curious to see how Saints fans who love Drew Brees, like the people that really understand, I'm really curious to see how they feel about it. Yeah, when I, you know, when I saw the comments, you know, you know, I was definitely surprised. Um, you know, you know, you know, Malcolm Jenkins, if you're not gonna let him off the hook, you know, kudos, man, don't let him off the hook. You know, I'm not gonna. I don't like him. I don't agree with him. I definitely think he's out of touch. If you're still thinking at this particular point, after three years of people telling you that it's not about the flag of disrespecting any military cops, it's never been about that. Never, ever. If you're still thinking about that, bro, you know, 
what have you been doing the last three years? I mean, in all honesty, I didn't hear the whole interview, so I didn't hear the context of where the comment came, how the comment came about. So I'm not going to, you know, we can all get into them, but I want to hear the full context is exactly how does all manifest it? I mean, was it, I mean, how did he get from point A to point B? But like you said, you, you play in, you play in New Orleans, you know, majority, you know, you know, African American city play on a team, which is what 80%, you know, African American, you mean to tell me that this is your thought process now? I mean, you're right. How, how your teammates, I think, um, Michael Thomas has already came out and they said that he's made some comments against them. Um, Malcolm Jenkins, who was his teammate, you know, is already, you know, you know, is already excoriated him for his comments. Out of touch and is stupid. And, you know, I'm like, people are like, well, he needs to be informed. He should already been informed. What do you mean he needs to be? He should have been. If you're, if you're still thinking about this, and that's how the way you truly feel. It's not about, well, I don't know. I'm not, no. You, You've been seeing this for three years. You know already. You know how your teammates felt. If you don't know how your teammates felt, then, bro, you just – what are you doing? How can you be the quarterback of, of that team, the leader of that team, and not have the pulse in some sense on what people are feeling? So I don't want to hear about – I was. don't give me an ominous in the form of apology. Don't give me a – you know, I, I, maybe you want to see it was taken out of context. So I hear the interview – I don't have to think otherwise, but I'll give you the slight benefit on that respect. But still, I don't know. I mean, you know, you had a team that supported you. Um, you have a, a city that supported you and behind you. I mean, how do you go back, you know, on that? I mean, um, even if you give a half-hearted apology, which is probably going to be scripted and very PR-driven, just the same way that James Dolan did his second email to the team once he was <laughs> – that first email was ridiculous. But how do you – I don't know. I mean, how do the fans treat you when the game start up? Because there's going to be some people in that crowd that are going to be, you know, booing you. And there's going to be some people in that crowd, let's call spade a spade, that are going to agree with every word that you just said. Yeah, no, I completely agree. But it's more, and I, getting back to not, getting back to what you were saying, like, the teammates is going to be, like, I, it's good that the teammates are standing up. Like Malcolm Jenkins and um, I forgot the other person that you just mentioned. Um, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas. It's good that they're speaking out because if it was quiet, then it would have been much more of a concern from on their aspect of it. But um, it's good that they called him out on it. It's good that, you know, at least they know. I mean, at least he's starting to understand, like, my teammates is calling me out. And like you say, it, whether he, it's been three years. So there's really no excuse at this at this level, but like I said, I I, I want to hear everything is for or for I either viscerate him or just you know I I I I I, I agree. Giving him the slight benefit of the doubt is ideal at this stage until we hear everything. Um, but I completely understand everybody else going after him at this point, um, and I completely hope that you know. There's got to be lessons learned in all this. And I, what's crazy about it is that a lot of people is not learning a lesson. And unfortunately, it, for Drew Brees, if it's been like this now and you still saying that, you know, what you're saying, like, then you're never going to learn the lesson. And if you're never going to learn the lesson, then what's the point of either interacting with you at this stage? 
Like so many people, and it's 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 unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but this is the society that we live in. Yeah, and and it's not just Drew Brees. I mean, you look at the comments that um 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 Denver Broncos coach did. Um, I'll probably you know tear up his last name, but Vic Fango. He basically, on one hand, he did acknowledge that there was some systemic racism out there, but then he says, "I don't see any racism at the NFL." I don't see any discrimination in the NFL. And if, yeah, and if, <laughs> and if uh, society was more like the NFL, the things would be better. And so there's another comment where I was just astounded. I'm like, you really, that's how you truly feel? You don't see, you can on one hand acknowledge social injustice out there, but on the same hand, oh, it's nothing like you're in the NFL. We're all good. There's no, there's no racism, nothing to see there. Um, not discounting that there's no African-American owners. There's very little, um, you know, people of color in GM positions. Um, hey, coaches that are very qualified don't need the opportunity to get looked at. We have the Rooney Rule um, that they established over 10 years ago, but then we had to come back a few weeks ago to try to tweak it and then want to put incentives to teams that if you look at or hire you know, a GM or some assistant coaches will give you an additional draft pick. Why do you need that? To me, that, that still points back to the problem that the Rooney rule and, and the teams are doing where they can just circumvent and say, I want that guy, even though these two people of color are more qualified, but I'll just bring them in, even though I have no intentions of hiring them and go with the one guy that I want, a la the New York Giants. They had every intention of going after, you know, the, excuse me, the wide receiver coordinator from New England Patriots. But this kind of a lot of the brothers, Brian Leftwich and a couple of the dudes that was out there, the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, who I think should have got a look at, but they went there. So that was a, a very, that was a very telling statement that the Denver Broncos coach said there. Oh, so wait, it was the Denver Broncos coach yeah. that said that? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. All right. This is it's, the head coach of the Denver Broncos made that statement that there is no racism in the NFL. He sees none in the NFL. Okay. Now mind uh, you, this might be, in, in, in honesty, some people they might not see it because they just don't have any concept of people treating you a particular way because of your skin color or anything to them, they're looking at world through rose glass lenses. So to them, they might actually see it like that because they just have no concept or no experience dealing with that because nothing, ever, nothing like that ever happened to them. And, but that, and that's my point, um, point about, um, they need to be educated. Like they, they need a, a awakening to understand what is going on, and I, I mean, I'm if there's no racism in the NFL, I mean, we still have a team that has a racist name in the Washington Redskins. You're going <laughs> to tell me that you're that misinformed that you don't think that there's no racism in the NFL? Like you, right? They're just some people who I, I think it's more so to the fact that you're right. They just don't 
they don't really get a concept or a grasp of what racism is all about and or what even stereotype is all about at this stage because they feel as though that is everything is just the status quo and everything is okay like there's there's so much misinformation out there that some people need to be informed about and then there's others who just at this stage it's just blatant just call it like i see it and it is what it is at this stage and it's unfortunate but as a nfl coach like not even as an nfl uh, employee like you should already know that there's diversity in the nfl you should already know that there is so much that needs to be worked out in the whole nfl system majority of your owners like you said are all white. There's no there's no ethnic owner at this stage. There's barely an ethnic coach. Well, there's gonna, two. There, there's, in the NFL, there's two. There's, I said uh, barely, barely. Okay, <laughs> barely. There's I want to put that out there. There's there's um, uh, a guy of Pakistanian descent. I can't think of his name. Who owns the Jaguars and then mm-hmm. one of the co-owners of the Buffalo Bills is um is a is an Asian lady. I don't know her name. You know well, as well, but I, I remember just to, just to put just to put that out there in context. Ninety-eight percent of the NFL owners, because <laughs> let's be honest, co-owner and one. All right, so 98 percent of the majority of owners are not are, are are white. Let's just call it how we see it, and we live it in a world where. You're going to sit there and tell me as an NFL coach that you don't see nothing wrong with how this system is with so many people, with Colin Kaepernick taking a knee and nobody's doing anything about it, being blackballed from this. If you feel as though that there's no problem with racism, then why not implement, why not talk to the owner and bring in Colin Kaepernick to get a tryout? Like, you have to understand, coaches are misinformed. Yeah, and I'm gonna leave it at that because I, I see myself getting upset about this. So I'm one thing I'm a dollar back. Coaches, there's enough. You're the NFL at this point. To be honest with you, I mean, everything they do is not not diversified at this stage, um, and we we've known it for years. Let's just be honest with you. Um, NFL is not known for diversity. They need a, 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 a they need a massive education, a massive overhaul to be more diversified. And until that happens, until it becomes diversified, the people, the owners, the coaches, they're gonna think everything is still the status quo. Yes, and the comment that that Drew Brees made, um, you know. Uh, I will be, it will be hard pressing me to not think that there are a lot more players out there that head coaches and GMs and owners that all think that same way. And don't you, and what's been going on now, we'll kind of switch over to, you know, I mean, Mr. Mr. Floyd and what happened at the protest. What's going on now, what's happened with, you know, the death of George Floyd and what happened with the guy, with the, um, with the brother in Atlanta that was running and potentially what could have happened to the other guy in Central Park where the lady wanted to, you know, call the cops on him because she thought he was, she was being quote unquote threatened. 
and weaponize her fear, to, you know, to, to, to a degree. Um, we can see why Colin Kaepernick, you know, was treated the way he was. And we can understand why Colin Kaepernick didn't get a job. You can go through all the big, you know, the song and dance and a pony up when they did that quote unquote, very, very weird, you know, training session. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the circumstances and all the things around it, um, we can all see and understand why he still isn't playing. I mean, um, that statement there, and a lot of people think that is the reason why he's not playing right now. Mm-hmm. And somebody had to be, somebody had to take the fall for the whole thing, and they wanted to go away as quickly as possible. And a lot of people, including Mr. Jay Z, all aided in wanting them to sweep that whole thing under the rug. And guess what happened? This happened, and boom. Yeah. Now everybody has an egg on their face. Yeah. And even so, and I think one of the NFL players said that he was in agreement with Colin, but and which was very telling. But he was saying that he was in agreement with Colin Kaepernick, but he didn't want to kneel because he he knew that something like that was going to happen. So it's, I yeah, it's unfortunate that Colin Kaepernick was the one person because now you see where he has is right now, um, but. It's telling because now you see what's the reasoning behind it. Now people are starting to understand why it wasn't about nothing about the, the, the Star Stangled Banner and um, all that. It was the reasoning behind it. It was a reason behind what he did. And, you know, he may not be in the NFL now, but now people start to see that this was a telling statement because, you know, Colin Kaepernick did something that really did it years before he 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 did it in protest of the years before that led up to this which is in on itself is amazing at this stage so um people need to really be educated they really do um and to be honest we should let them know you know colin kaepernick did it for he kneeled for this right here the for the george the for the George, um, ah, George Floyd. George Floyd. Thank you. Um, he did it for him. He did it for all the people that's been uh, that's been been handled by police and the brutality that they caused. Like people need to understand that this should be a wake up call for all those who didn't understand it. Hopefully that they get it. Um, then there's others like Drew Brees who unfortunately still don't get it. And. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it's a wake-up call for people to understand why. It's going to be a, that, that, that'd be a very first day of training camp when they all come back to the um, the Superdome. <laughs> this cat's going to be giving a sigh. Like, I mean, whatever apology you're going to put out there is going to be to placate the masses so you can actually all come together as a team and play football. I'm pretty sure the owners and the GM are probably on the phone them right now and being like, yo, you got to clean this up. We got training camp starting – you know, in a month, you got a, a month to clean this up, two months before the season starts. So we need you to do whatever you can do to get on your apology tour, to make a statement, to get out there and then do whatever. But like I said, your comment, uh, until I hear the full thing in the context that it came in, but those statements was your, that's how you truly felt. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. 
And he needs to be careful because now people are going to have a target on his back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have yeah. a target on his back. Yes, they are. Um, so I guess to finish up, um, you know, we talked about George Floyd a little bit, you know, in the last couple of segments, but I mean, we've seen a protest going on, you know, all across the nation, even some protests, you know, around the world, um, in solidarity, um, for people. We've seen very peaceful protests. Mm -hmm. We've seen athletes, we've seen some entertainers come out, not everybody, we've seen some entertainers come out. We've seen a lot of protests, a lot of them have been peaceful. Some of them have been riots and some looting. Um, but, you know, everyone is, you know, together. Well, like, let me, let me, let me mm -hmm. step back. It's not all the violence that people are portraying, but there are some violence out there. Mm -hmm. um, but people are very pissed and upset. And, you know, right now, what the people are out there protesting or protesting, you know, you have, you have, you have the world's attention. Um, so what are your feelings about the protests of the last couple of days? Um, to be honest, the protests, I mean, to be honest, I'm all for it. I mean, that's what the constant, I mean, that's what we were, our, our ancestors did for us to, to have the ability. That's what the, I'm not going to say the constitution, but I mean, which is true, but the whole point is, is that I think that this was part of our constitutional right to protest. Um, our ancestors did a lot more. Um, so for us to do this, especially we have to fight for what we believe in. And we believe that we shouldn't be, um, we shouldn't be stereotyped. We shouldn't be always being driving, worrying that the police is going to pull us over just for nonsense. I mean, we have to worry about so many things and the police brutality itself, because it could be anybody. We could all be George Floyd's at this stage. And it's unfortunate, but this is the world that we live in. And these protests are to let people know and understand that this is our normal day-to-day -day life. Like anything could happen to any one of us. And until they make changes and until they make some, some drastic changes um, in, in doing things, um, it's always going to be like this. There's going to probably be, an, you know, God forbid it'd be another incident. And it's just so much that is going on. And these protesting, I mean, the looting and stuff aside, but the peaceful protest is showing that we all need to be unified. And that, be, and then it also includes all the policemen as well, because they're not all policemen are bad policemen. They're good policemen as well. So, but this is all about our lives. This is all about making sure that we are are comfortable um, in our day to day lives and not having to worry about being attacked and you know going through this like anybody you know going through this like George Floyd went through, and you know now that his family has to live in a world without him. You know, as a, as a black man, you know, I don't want to have something like that happen and then my children have to live in the world without me. Like, you saw the video with his daughter saying that how much she missed her dad. Like, that's what the protesting is all about. We're trying to do things to eliminate it the right way. I mean, like, if we all wanted to, we could have, I'm pretty sure about the masses, people may want to do other things and go through 
other avenues to, to get their point across. But at the end of the day, this is something where we could do where everybody is showing uni unity. And to be honest, like, it's good to see. It's, it's, it's wonderful to see where everybody, you when you look at the protests, you know, it's not just black lives. You see everybody diversified. You see a diversified protest, a diversified peaceful protest, a diversified where everybody's in agreement that police brutality needs to end. And I think that is more important. And until, and you see it, you even see policemen now kneeling in support because they also understand that at the end of the day, that they're, they're love, you know, they, 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 they understand. And it's, we have our work cut out, but at least the point is now starting to drive home. Hopefully it'll do, it'll be enough so that people can make legislation changes um, in how police act. Um, maybe some more diversity training is needed. Most likely, definitely is needed. Um, I think that it's a start, but I have to say this, the peaceful protest won't mean anything if Congress doesn't act upon it, bottom line. If Congress and Senate don't act upon it, it's gonna be left out and then it's gonna, it's gonna die down and then it's gonna be another, God forbid, another couple of months or a year before something else like this happened again. And then we're right back over doing the same cycle over and over again. There needs to be a change in the Senate and the legislation about how this works. And hopefully that will help bring everyone closer together. Because right now, let's be honest, I mean, you saw, I mean, I'm seeing, even though there's peaceful protests, there's people that are against the, the peaceful protests. Like they, there's people out there that don't want the protest to be peaceful. There's people out there that want to spark riots and spark like chaos and mayhem. There's people out there that will rather you that be dominated by military and police instead of giving your God-given right to even protest in peace. So we have to be careful and we have to stay united and know that being united peacefully outweighs any other chaos that's out there as long as we stay united in this protest and know that there is a point to the protest. And I think everybody needs to follow that, that point and just stay on point. Don't get driven off about the looting, don't get, work, don't get driven off about the riots and all that stuff. Stay focused on the protest itself and why you're protesting. And that's all I have to say. Uh, you know what, Al, you basically hit everything on, on the head, all the points that I was gonna make. Um, you know, I can go on for a while, but you know, time is of the essence um, okay. here. Um, I just saw the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, just to say, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with all the, the protests, the ones that have been peaceful. I mean, yes, you know, people have right to be angry, frustrated, you know, vent their anger. Um, you know, but unfortunately, you know, protests without a purpose or doom, you know, to fizzle out. And anger without good focus is always counterproductive. Um, it will lead to people doing some unnecessary things. Um, overall destruction and eluding um, will always be, will always be uh, more, be looked over, I mean, but looked more so, and it over, it overshadows the meaning of what you're trying to do and what you're protesting for because the last couple of days have just been about eluding the destruction. Yeah. You know, without 
focusing on the reason for the protest at all. So, um, you know, I would encourage, like you said, you have to get out, you have to make changes from not just the federal or from the state, from the local level. I mean, you have to keep the pressure on, you know. I think back to, you know, our grandparents and great-grandparents, you know, and our, you know, family members and others, you know, that may have, you know, been a part of the civil rights movement or more so been directly involved in the um, Montgomery bus boycott. Yeah. You know, they had, they protested for a specific point. There was an overall purpose, but a specific point to change the injustices of that bus system with um, blacks being relegated to the back of the bus or even have to give up their seat to a white man to go to the back of the bus. They made their protest. Their protest was not to get on the bus or give the bus company any money. And they did it for over a year. They walked, rain, sleets, well, it wasn't no snow out there in Alabama, but rain, you know, sleet, whatever kind of weather, they walked. They were committed. It wasn't one day. It wasn't one week. It wasn't a social media blackout thing. They did it for a whole year. And you got to have that kind of consistency. You got to have that kind of stuff in you to be able to do it. And eventually, it took them a while, but guess what happened? They got the change that they wanted. And it led, and it, and it just springboarded, you know, the civil rights movement from there. So we have the world's attention. You know, we just can't let it go for one week. You can't let other people try to hijack the message by focusing on the destruction and looting. But ourselves, we can't do that because we're giving the people who want to completely disregard and get this right off the table a perfect reason for them to hijack it. Um, but if we're all serious about change, it's got to be, you know, like you said, voting, state, local levels, federal levels. I mean, yes, getting, you know, the current person that occupies the president's office, because I won't give him his name. Yes, it's important to get him out there. But it's also more important, even more so, to be at a local level, being at a state level, you know, holding these people accountable to it. It's up to us. And if you want to change, you got to be willing to roll up your sleeves and put in the work. It can't be a day. It can't be a photo op. It can't be just saying we're going to do this on social media, blackout. If you're going to blackout, blackout for a whole year. If yeah. you're not going to spend money at, at a particular place, don't spend it for a whole year. One day doesn't change it. You know, you have to be committed. Um, and I hope that our people are committed because if we're not, this is all going to fizzle out in a few weeks. Basketball is going to start. College football is going to start. Football is going to start. School year is going to start. It'll all be forgotten. Some music thing will start. And guess what? I guarantee you we will be back in the same place, the same time, either a year or two years from now, just like we were two years ago with Eric Gardner um, and, and um, when he died. So, you know, let's not lose focus. Um, you know, if you got anybody's attention, what are we going to do with it now? Yeah. I mean, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was thinking also about what happened in Baltimore with Freddie Gray. So yes. you, we, we definitely have to stay on point with what we do. Like, don't just end with the protests, after, like you said, when it fizzles out. Like, make sure you vote. Like, you see so many people out there that are in, in they're protesting. Don't stop doing that. Take it to the next level and make sure you vote. I think it's more important because that will start the, at least the dialogue. Because let's be honest, we don't have a dialogue to begin with with the current administration that we have. So we have to get some type of dialogue going, whether we're whether it's by 
the protest is great and continue to do that, but also go to the polls and vote because your vote matters. Like the same thing that your ancestors went through when they protest, um, like with Alabama and everything, it's the same thing that they went through to get their place to vote as well. So don't take your vote for granted. Go out there and vote. And go out there and make a difference. You're making a difference in a pro with protesting. That's well and good. Continue to do that. But also, don't. that's just part one. Now make part two and go vote and make sure you drive it home, what you're definitely voting for. And that, that's the best way to do it. I agree. And um, on his last note, I'll say, you know, people, they have to, you know, if your personal preference for you not to vote because you don't believe it's not going to make a difference, that's on you. But that's not me, you know. I'm not going to disrespect, you know, the people that came before us, the ones that fought, bled, died, had their houses burnt down, lynched. Yeah. Just because they were, they had the right to vote, but just to, just because they were attempting to exercise their right to vote, um, they went through all of that so that we can sit there and go to the polls and vote without fear of any reprisal. So. I'm not going to, in my 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 personal opinion, dishonor the people that gave their lives you know, years ago by not saying I'm just not going to vote because I don't think it make a difference because from my, from my thought process, if that's the way you feel, then that's, then you're disrespecting the people that came before you and put their lives on the line because if they didn't, we wouldn't be in a position to, to go to the polls and vote and do whatever we want to do today. I completely agree. Amen to that. So, on that note, uh, we are you know past our time, but definitely good talking. Um, unfortunately, Ad, you know Adrian is on assignment, so he couldn't be here. Um, but as always, we appreciate everyone that's been subscribing and listening to our you know podcast, looking at the YouTube videos. Um, so, with that being said, Al, let them know where they can find you. At. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. And you can find me on Twitter, Snapchat, and the gram, J.E. Ross, the number seven. And as always, we want everyone to be safe out there. Um, there was still a pandemic with the coronavirus going on in the midst of all of the civil unrest. Um, so first and foremost, protect yourself. If you're going yes. out there to go into the rallies, first and foremost, protect yourself again. Um, practice social distancing, distancing as much as you can. Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of clips. You know, like there was a lot of suggesting going on. So we're just going to keep our fingers crossed within three weeks from now. There's no uptick of virus cases anywhere. But um, but if you can't, just make sure you protect yourselves. And as always, we appreciate everyone from listening to us. And from our heart to yours, we want to say thank you and be safe out there. And until next time, God bless.